Will you join me in a word of prayer? Lord, it is true, because you live, we can face tomorrow. Would you be with us again today? Inspire your word that we might encounter you anew and be transformed. We pray this in Christ's precious name. Amen. Our scripture reading for today comes from the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verses 9 through 12. Hear now the word of God. Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you. Triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall command peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I just want to focus on the end of this prophecy this morning. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. When people are talking about being a Christian, the benefit you most always hear about is heaven. If you live a faithful life and follow God for your whole life, then one day, when you die, you get to go to heaven. And in heaven, you will be happy and healthy, reunited with loved ones and with God himself forever and ever. But is that it? Are the benefits of being a Christian just something that's way down the road one day? Christianity is obviously a costly faith. It's the religion of the cross, where we pick up our own crosses and we follow Jesus. And it's a religion of sacrifice and of serving your neighbor and of loving your enemy. But is the only benefit one day, when you die, you go to heaven? It's just really hard and sort of difficult until that one day. I know both Micah and I have preached against a God that just give hand, handouts. Uh, the God that we treat like a vending machine. Put in some prayers and you get what you want. That isn't how things work. But hear this passage again. I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. I will restore to you double. God is making a promise to us here, and when God makes a promise, we can rest assured that that thing is going to happen. We can trust God's promises with all of these things because, one, there's nothing stronger than God, so nothing can defeat him. If God sets out to do something, that thing is going to happen. Two, because God always keeps his word. Throughout history, people have believed in gods that got jealous and changed their minds, or gods that fell in love and fell out of love and would abandon their followers for gain. But that's not our God. 
That's not the true God. When God says God will do something, God will do it. And three, we can trust God's promises because we've seen them come true in the past. God has been faithful to his people since the beginning, and he will be faithful until the end. Which is why I want to understand this promise from Zechariah. I will set your prisoners free. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. There are two promises here. First, I will set your prisoners free. Second, I will restore to you double. And that first promise, I will set your prisoners free. When we hear that, we think of a very specific thing, don't we? For us, the word prisoner has an association with prison, with jail. You commit a crime, you go to prison. And this word means that, but it also means captive. Living, you're living life in something or someone, they capture you. And it also means bondsman. You've sold your life to someone else. They promise to provide food and shelter and you become their slave. A prisoner, it means captive, it means bondsman. And to all of these in this passage, God promises freedom. I think These specifics can be more helpful than being general. We know that God sets us free from sin, but what does that actually mean? It can be so vague that it doesn't feel like it touches us. But God sets us free from prisons, literally. That means something. Once two of Jesus' disciples were teaching the gospel, and they managed to offend a very important person in town. So this person called in some favors, and he had them arrested. They were put into chains, chained around the ankles, chained around the wrists, and they were thrown into the basement. And at midnight, they began to sing hymns to God. Because why not? And then good God shook the ground with an earthquake, and their chains burst apart, and the door swung open. He literally set the captives free. But he also sets us free from prisons that we live in, Micah and I have experienced this ourselves, but this summer, at our summer Sunday night suppers and at bread breakers, we've been blessed by this multitude of stories about how God has done this for all of you. How people have been prisoners of illness or financial hardship or loneliness, and God has worked and God has brought freedom. God has even done so miraculously. These are our stories. We live the truth of this promise. We believe that God is faithful to this promise because we've seen it, we've experienced it, and lived it. God sets us free from unjust physical prisons. He also sets us free from prisons of our mind, and he sets us free from spiritual prisons, from addictions, from situations when our hearts become clouded or hardened or confused. Now, this promise of freedom isn't permission to do whatever we have to in order to be free. Zechariah addresses this prison. I love this phrase. Prisoners of hope. Prisoner of hope means you have given up control, given up your wisdom, and you have handed it over to something. If you become a prisoner of hope to the wrong thing, we have a word for that. We call it an addiction. When you hand it over to the wrong thing, it goes terribly wrong. But in Zechariah, we are invited to become prisoners of hope in God. 
We become prisoners of hope depending entirely on him to set us free from whatever prison we find ourselves in. Second Corinthians explains how this freedom comes. It says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Let's say that someone is facing a difficult financial time, and this isn't a hypothetical. They were doing okay, just a normal amount of debt. And then out of nowhere, they lost their job, downsizing or outsourcing, whatever. We're all familiar with this story. Well, that normal amount of debt, suddenly it's a prison. Suddenly they're captive. They can't escape, so they pray. They share their concerns with some friends at church, and the church comes together to cover their bills, and the church starts helping them look for a new job, and their church joins them in praying for God's faithfulness, and suddenly... The captive is set free. Sometimes God works that way. I had a friend met, I met in seminary uh, who prayed a similar prayer. He'd been working for a homeless shelter, and they hadn't been able to pay him his full salary for some time. They'd gotten behind on their money, and because of that, he'd gotten behind on his money. The bills were coming due. Creditors were getting more aggressive. He owed just under $800, which to him felt like a million dollars. He didn't know what was next, but he just kept praying about it. And the next week, he opened a card from a family friend, and inside was a check written for exactly $800, just a few dollars more than he needed, and a note that said, I was praying this week. And I felt God putting you on my heart. The more I prayed, I just felt like I needed to do this. I hope it's helpful in some way. Sometimes God works like that. It's not a story about how you don't need to work hard. It's not a story about free handouts. It's a story about how when you're a prisoner of hope to God, when you commit your life to follow him, he will provide for you. If you find yourself a prisoner of debt, he will provide. If you find yourself a prisoner of sin, he will provide. If you find yourself a prisoner or a captive or a bondsman, he will provide and he will set you free. Second Corinthians says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And as we invite God to take control and lead us in every corner of our lives, we experience that freedom. As the Spirit is invited in and as the Spirit takes control, we begin to live that freedom, even impossible, miraculous, check-in-the-mail freedom. And that's not just a blessing coming in heaven. It's a blessing that is promised in heaven, but it's a blessing that's also promised today. Romans 7 talks about how we're prisoners to the law of sin, but in the Spirit of God we become slaves to God's law. And so are set free. And First Peter tells us to live as free people, but not to use our freedom as an excuse for evil. Instead, live as God's slaves. Continue to live as prisoners of hope in God. That warning from First Peter, it shows up again in Galatians and in Romans and in Ephesians. It shows up all over this, the place. This freedom you receive, don't use it for evil. Do you know why that warning keeps showing up? Because as the early church followed God and as they invited the Spirit into their lives, they kept experiencing this freedom. It was a problem that they were getting too much freedom. The things they were slaves to, suddenly and miraculously, they were free. 
And this promise, it kept coming true, but some of them, as soon as they kicked the habit or got out of debt, as soon as the Spirit of God set them free from that sin, they turned right around and found another prison to walk into. Which is not the point. This verse isn't just so you can be happy and live your best dream. It's about giving us the courage to be faithful. It promises us signs of God's love. The first promise, I will set your prisoners free, and it's true. It's so true that the Bible has tons of warnings about what to do once you're free, so that you don't waste it. And the second promise is also true. I will restore to you double. But notice it says restore, right? I think that's interesting. Restore is a word that means giving back something you've lost. And this is a promise that Jesus mentions himself again and again. In Matthew 19, he says, Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or wife or children or fields for the sake of my name will receive a hundredfold back and will inherit eternal life. It's not a promise about things you lose for your own sake or because of bad luck. It's a promise that whatever you lose for the sake of the gospel, you will gain 100-fold. That's a promise from God. This verse from Zechariah promises, I will restore to you double. It says restore because you lose something. There are costs to following God. At times the costs are very large. But God promises to restore to us all the good things we lose through following him. If you lose a house for being faithful to God, God will restore it. Maybe it will be a mansion in heaven. Maybe it will be a house next week. I don't know. But God's promise is sure. If you lose friends or family because of your faith, God will bless you abundantly with friends and family in him. His adopted family that stretches to every corner of the globe, that is a promise for you. You cannot be separated from or lose that family. If you even lose your life for the gospel, can God not restore it 100-fold with an eternal life overflowing with joy and long-awaited reunions in heaven? If you lose fields or jobs or friends or houses or even your life for his sake, he will restore it 100-fold. When Micah and I moved to Scottsboro, we moved for God's sake. Uh, We did not expect a multitude of blessings. We just honestly believed this is what we're called to do. And what we have found in the last two years is we have been blessed 100-fold everything that we lost. We left behind the comforts of big cities, and we found this beautiful corner of the world nestled between the lake and the mountains. And we lost friends when we moved and others for being committed to this kind of ministry. And in this church, we have found friends we will treasure for a lifetime. We left a lot behind, some small things like sushi restaurants. (laughs) Other things like peers, familiarity, cultural norms, opportunities that we closed the doors on. There were losses. But what we found here is that God has been blessing us abundantly with people who can really cook, which is why none of my pants fit right. (laughs) And with new friends. And here we have been blessed with joining what God is doing in this church. We have been blessed with getting to see it and getting to take part in it. Do you feel sorry for what we lost? 
It would be silly to, because we have been blessed 100 times more than what we lost. Because the promise is true. It has always been true, and it is still true. Those who are prisoners of hope will be blessed by God. This promise, today it's for you to hear again. I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double what you have lost. During the summer months especially, we've been hearing about a lot of people taking trips, and some are for work or for an obligation of some kind, but a lot are some kind of annual trip to the beach or a family trip to Disney or to the cabin. And these are the kinds of trips where you come back and you feel energized. You feel recharged because that place is a stronghold. You go there and you can just feel the stress fall off. You can feel the comfort and the peace and the joy. This this place is a stronghold. We know that every week the sermon won't connect with you. That might surprise you, but we know. And we know some Sundays the music will be perfect, and other Sundays you're just singing along. We're okay with that. We work to make worship the best it can be, but the point isn't fun. The point is that this place is a stronghold. Return to your stronghold. It means come home. Above all, it means return to the God who is your rock and your salvation. This place is a stronghold where we proclaim the promises of God again every Sunday. Here at this church, we've heard countless, countless stories of people being rescued from captivity and of God restoring double. So I say again, prisoners of hope stand strong upon the promises of God. He has always been faithful to the captive and to the slave. He has always been faithful to the lost and to the weary. He has always been faithful to the broken and the searching. He has always remained faithful. So we must remain faithful to him. Prisoners of hope, return to your stronghold and be set free. Will you pray with me? Lord God, you are our stronghold. We thank you for this place where we can gather together to hear your promises anew. Help us to be courageous in the face of loss, loss of friends, loss of opportunities, Lord, loss of material goods, loss of anything, trusting that you will restore to us. And help us to be prisoners of hope in you, trusting and believing that you can and you will set us free. We pray all of this in Christ's powerful name. Amen.